Ladies and gentlemen, fellow football fanatics, everyone listening in on BlazeRadioOnline.com and on YouTube, welcome to the fourth episode of the Ham Analysis Show, live from the Bill Austin radio station in downtown Phoenix, Arizona. I'm your host, Cole Topham, and I am very excited to once again be back in the studio on a crisp Saturday in Phoenix, a day removed from Valentine's Day. And who needs a lover on Valentine's Day when you have prospects to scout, when you have film to grind, and when you have reports and a show plan to write? As one of my fellow journalists said it best yesterday, why should we devote one day to the people we love? Shouldn't we show these NFL draft prospects the love and credit they deserve every day of the week? Or at least on Saturdays. And it's the fourth show. To the regular listeners, you probably know the rundown already, and thank you for tuning in. But for the new guests that are just beginning to discover ham analysis, well, hey there. My name is Cole, and I'm an 18-year-old college student currently studying sports journalism at the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism and Mass Communication here at Arizona State University. You can go follow me on Twitter, at HamAnalysis, and also on Instagram with the same handle, where I tweet out insightful words about football, respond to fantasy advice, and post short videos detailing my scouting observations. My goal from this show is to, honestly, just educate people on scouting and what makes this 2020 class of prospects so stacked. And this show, at least for the next six months, will focus primarily on the NFL draft process. That means each week I'll have two hand-selected prospects, typically one offensive and one defensive, that I'll break down live on air. So that means strengths, weaknesses, character, NFL combine statistics, etc., etc., We'll run through a player's measurables, their height, their weight, their age, before moving on to a brief background of his accolades and accomplishments before and during his time at his respective university. Uh, next, we'll discuss those statistics and NFL Combine numbers. And the NFL Combine is it's quickly approaching us, um, but obviously the numbers won't be available until the week of February 26th to March 4th, so two weeks. Uh, we'll, we'll make do until then. Then we'll dive into a comprehensive analysis of the player's strengths and weaknesses, capping it off with a quick pro comparison to a current NFL player and my projection of which round he should be selected in come April. It's a thorough, comprehensive process that doesn't cut corners and really focuses on what defines these prospects. I see all too often on social media and other places uh, in conversations of people that don't exactly understand the reasoning behind big board rankings and, and prospect rankings. And my goal is to illustrate with my own words what I saw on game film and paint that picture to you guys on air. And hey, if, if you're listening to YouTube uh, on a recorded episode, that's even better. So before we jump in, I just wanted to direct your attention to a graphic that Pro Football Focus, or PFF, posted yesterday on social media that I found pretty impressive. It's about Clemson defensive player Isaiah Simmons and his usage on the Tigers during his junior season. And yes, I said defensive player for a reason. Because this guy literally did it all for the Tigers last season, both on the pass rush and in coverage. Uh, I mean, here's how he lined up in 2019. 116 snaps at outside linebacker. 299 snaps at inside linebacker, 262 at slot cornerback, 132 at free safety, and 100 at strong safety. If that isn't the definition of a Swiss Army knife, then I don't know what is. It's not like Simmons played 
just a few snaps at these positions either. He's recorded hundreds of snaps around the field and excels in each spot. Uh, Simmons is easily the draft's most versatile player, and it's what is going to earn him a large payday in April. I mean, he played more snaps at cornerback than he did at outside linebacker. I mean, I think that's just amazing. I can't believe that this player is going to be in the NFL in less than six months, and I'm excited to see how the NFL team that drafts him is going to use him. Um, is is he going to be used in the same way he was in college, or if is that NFL team going to explore that versatility? Because it's definitely obvious this far into the NFL draft process that Simmons is more than just your average linebacker. So, diving into the scouting reports, it's the second week in a row that I've chosen to scout a safety, and the third week out of the last four that I've selected a wide receiver to highlight. I don't know if that has just been a mood, but there's no denying that this wide receiver class is absolutely stacked. There are so many names that could reach NFL stardom within their first two seasons in the league, and I mean, honestly, if your favorite team doesn't walk away from the draft without an adept wideout, their general manager is doing something wrong because that's how deep and talented this class is. But like I said, we're switching things up and starting the show off on the defensive side of the ball. And for that, we head to Louisiana to break down Grant Delpit. Delpit is a safety for LSU, junior, 6'3", 203 pounds, 21 years old. Let's get into his background. High school, his senior season at IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. 47 tackles, 5 picks, 6 pass breakups. Was a consensus 4-star recruit from ESPN, Scout, Rivals, 24-7 Sports, with all major scouting outlets ranking him as one of the top 10 safety prospects in the nation. His freshman year, played 13 games, finished fourth on the team with 60 tackles as a freshman, finishing the season with at least one tackle in every game. In 2018, he became the ninth player in LSU history to earn unanimous All-America distinction, along with fellow defensive back Greedy Williams and linebacker Devin White. 2019, of course, in his junior season, he became the third player in LSU to win the Thorpe Award, joining Patrick Peterson and and Maurice Claiborne, who won it in back-to-back years in 2010 and 2011. And he played most of the season hurt with an ankle injury, yet he only missed one game against Arkansas. A little bit of personal information about him. His family lived in New Orleans originally until Hurricane Katrina displaced his family in 2005. They moved to Houston and still live there, and at one point, there was 11 people living in one house, in that household in, in Houston. Delpit has always wanted to play at LSU, and he actually idolized uh, Tyron Matthew growing up. Tyron Matthew, of course, uh, one of the NFL's best success stories, became a Super Bowl champion this year with the Chiefs. Delpit, his stats, 2017, 60 tackles, 0 sacks, 1 interception, 8 pass breakups. 2018, 74 tackles, 5 sacks, 1 forced fumble, 5 interceptions, 9 pass breakups. And His most recent year, 2019, 65 tackles, zero sacks, one forced fumble, two interceptions, seven pass breakups. So I know at the beginning of the show, I said that I was going to talk about a player's weaknesses first, but with Delpit, this weakness is so blatantly obvious and glaring that it would be unjust of me to simply skim over it and not spend quality time on it. 
Grant Delpit's tackling is absolutely abysmal. Like, off the charts bad. Which is concerning because he goes to a school where they consider themselves to be DBU, Defensive Back University. Ohio State might have a counter-argument to that, but when I look at where Jamal Adams, the number six overall pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, and an LSU alum, where he was headed into his first season in the league and compare him with Delpit, I mean, Delpit is just so far behind Adams fundamentally. He didn't look like a top 10 selection on tape. He hardly ever brought down a ball carrier on his own and struggled to make clean tackles in the open field. All too often, I saw him dive at a player's ankles and just miss completely, coming up empty-handed, and then doing the same exact thing the next play. His tape against Florida, Alabama, Auburn, this year, is just littered with these types of errors. He doesn't have great lateral speed, which prevents him from really standing a chance against speedy running backs coming out of the backfield, and that's something he will be tasked to cover often in the NFL. However, Delpit is considered to be the top prospect at his position, and that title doesn't come without reason. He's a prototype in terms of size and speed at the position. I would hate to be a wide receiver running a route across the middle only to get clocked by Delpit a half second after catching the ball. I wouldn't go as far as to say Delpit is a true instinctual safety, but he definitely understands how certain offensive plays develop and quickly puts himself in a position to make the play. He shows no mercy and is just has a very feisty style in the way he pursues the play. And this is really a testament to LSU's culture, getting a group of five-star blue-chip prospects in the secondary, pitting them against some of the best receiving talent in the country and reaping their rewards. Delpit, for as bad as his tackling was that I mentioned earlier, always held his own against SEC opponents and future NFL players in that conference. He has that semi-professional experience headed into the draft, something other defensive backs throughout the NCAA don't have. But this brings me to the main point of controversy surrounding Delpit, which is his title, or rather the award he received this winter, the Jim Thorpe Award, or the highest honor given to the best defensive back in the country. Many draft analysts that I'm personally Many draft analysts that I'm personally familiar with believe that it should have gone to Jeff Akuda of the Ohio State Buckeyes, who I talked about in the second episode of the show. And after watching game after game of Delpit failing to execute routine tackles, bring down ball carriers independently, letting pass catchers post up his 6'3", 203-pound frame, that argument is certainly most definitely valid. Also, you have to consider the fact that Delpit wasn't even the best defensive back on his own team, and the honors and AP selections and whatnot prove that. Derek Stingley Jr., the freshman cornerback that locked down some of the SEC's most promising wide receivers, was first-team All-American in his first season at LSU. Delpit? Delpit came in at second-team All-American, still a high honor, but really, from the ranking standpoint, should the Thorpe Award winner go to a player that is second-team All-American over a first-team All-American? The answer is no, especially when Akuda was a unanimous first-team All-American. I get that LSU's defense 
was a big reason for their dominance in 2019. I mean, yeah, that guy named Joe Burrow helped in that in his receiving arsenal. But LSU's defense was fantastic. But just because Delpit was one of the older members on that team doesn't mean he should have received the Thorpe Award over more deserving players on LSU and across the country. Transitioning toward the second prospect on the agenda today, we'll be talking about Isaiah Hodgins, wide receiver for Oregon State. He's a junior, 6'4", 209 pounds, 21 years old. Getting into the high school background, he was a consensus four-star recruit at wide receiver by all the major recruiting services, ranked as a top five wide receiver in the West by Scout, and largely considered to be a top 25 wide receiver in the country. He recorded nearly 3,000 receiving yards and 48 touchdowns over his final two years at Berrien Christian High School. In 2017, for the Beavers, played in 11 games, starting six, and caught at least one pass in all those games. 2018, played in 11 games again, making nine starts this time around, and led Oregon State in receptions and yards while recording four 100-yard receiving efforts. He was also an All-Pac-12 honorable mention, and in 2019, he played in all 12 games, making 11 starts, and was a semifinalist for the Belitnikoff Award, the award given to the nation's best wide receiver. Another season with four games over 100 yards receiving, he finished his career ranked second on OSU's all-time touchdowns list, sixth on the school's receptions list, and seventh on the receiving yards list. A little bit of personal information about him. He's majoring in speech communication, and his brother Isaac plays defensive lineman for the Beavers. His father, James Hodgins, played in the NFL for the Cardinals and Jets and won a Super Bowl with the Rams. Hodgins is also an honorable student and has expressed interest in wanting to pursue a career as a lawyer when he is done playing football. Breaking down the stats, in 2017, 86 catches, 1,000, sorry, 31 catches, 275 receiving yards, two touchdowns. In 2018, 59 catches, 876 receiving yards, five touchdowns. And in 2019, 86 catches, 1,171 receiving yards, and 13 touchdowns which was tied for the seventh most in the country. I just want to get this out of the way to begin this discussion. But man, if only Hodgins had played for a better team. To give you an idea, Oregon State's record over his tenure there, 1-11 and 11 in 2017, 2-10 in 2018, and 5-7 and in his last season in Corvallis. And this guy still managed to score 13 touchdowns in his senior year. On tape, Hodgins showcases some of the best body control in the draft, which is significant because you don't really expect that agility and fluidity from somebody of his size standing at six foot four. But it's his weight at 209 pounds that allows this scary combination of size and speed to be so effective. For reference, my top two wide receivers in the 2019 draft class were DK Metcalf and Nikhil Harry. Both receivers were the same size as Hodgins, 6'4". But they weighed in the mid-220s at the NFL Combine. Hodgins is almost 20 pounds less than those two athletes. And overall, I think it's for the better. 
The lack of extra weight on his frame makes Hodgins less stiff, more nimble, and that's how he was able to create consistent separation for himself against Pac-12 DBs, which was absolutely necessary since his quarterback couldn't give him an accurate ball half the time. Hodgins just impressed me a lot with how spry he could be at times in toe-tapping touchdowns against Cal Poly and diving first-down conversions against Oregon, which isn't something you typically see from a guy his size. It's why I see so much of Mike Evans in Hodgins, just a big, dominant wide receiver that constantly and consistently puts up numbers despite the quarterback play and is surprisingly athletic despite having such a high center of gravity. And don't get me wrong, Hodgins doesn't let his size advantage go to waste. I mean, just lining up in his stance before the play even starts, you can just tell that he has the advantage over the defensive back. He just seems to cast a shadow over his, over his opponent, and he never really had any real problems getting off his release because he's such a hulking figure. He's a natural at posting up his coverage man and boxing him out. His insane catch radius allows him to make plays outside the DB's range, and his hands are sound. They're sturdy, doesn't really commit many drops. Obviously, he's not a burner like some of the speed demons that herald from this class, but he's quick and fleet enough to separate from coverage from coverage in that aspect. And I am interested to see what he puts up in the combine, though. I think somewhere in the mid 4-4 range would be a good time for him, especially for a guy of that size. But we'll just have to see in two weeks. I'm, I'm so excited to see all this crop of talent in Indianapolis, and I'll, I'll definitely be tuning in, and you, and you should be too. Anyway, that's all I have for you guys today. I hope you enjoyed the show, and be sure to let me know on Twitter, Instagram, or on YouTube, at Ham Analysis, what you think of Grant Delpit and Isaiah Hodgins. Are Delpit's tackling issues a real concern, or am I just placing too big of an emphasis on it? Should Isaiah Hodgins be considered among the draft's top pass catchers in such a loaded class? Let me know on those social outlets or in the comments section of this video. Have a great rest of your day. Ciao for now, and I'll see you in the next episode. Peace. With the first overall pick in the 2020 Blaze Radio Specialty Show Draft, Cole Topham selects the Ham Analysis Show from the Arizona State University. He can score, he can catch, he can pick it off, he can do it all, this kid. His upside is off the charts. He's a playmaker everywhere. I couldn't be happier for the young man. Tune in to the Ham Analysis Show, your one-stop shop for scouting breakdowns on the latest class of football prospects, airing every Saturday at 12.30 p.m. exclusively on blazeradioonline.com.